right, QP Nation. It is QP Sports Exchange back on the air. It's your host, Vince. Happy MLK Day. Hoop heads rejoice because we got five games going on. And I'm recording in the middle of those games. So it's going to be heavy college basketball. Um, I'm going to give you a couple Kyrie things. Um, maybe not what you're thinking. We got some, we got the rookie watch. You know how that works. And that's pretty much it. But I want to tell you why this podcast was delayed. Usually, I'm doing this podcast and I'm doing it pretty early in the morning, Monday. Either I write it out the night before or I get up, have a cup of coffee and get it going. I was delayed today. By the dreaded ice cream truck. Unfortunately, my studio is not soundproof. And, you know, we're trying to do the best we can to give you a quality, quality sports podcast on B-Ball Monday. But, I was thwarted by kids and ice cream trucks. You might hear the kids in the background during this pod. Because they're all out. They're all jacked up on ice cream, and it's such a, a, a joyous sound, I guess, but for this pod's sake, unfortunately, it is not. So, I do apologize about the ice cream truck and the kids. You dreaded ice cream truck, thwarted by your efforts, but we do have a good show. And uh, we are looking forward to giving it to you how we always do, real rugged and raw. And we're going to start this podcast right now. So I thought that we'd start with the rookie watch this week because of the fact that we do have some news and notes to get to, but I just want to kind of lead you into how this pod is going today. The youngins are going to lead us into the NBA future, so we're going to start with the rookie watch, uh, get the archive pods for how I came up, what what my top five looks like, all right, um, B-Ball Mondays, I gave you what I use, how I use it, so without further ado, we're going to give you the rookie watch, all right, so first up, no surprise, LaMelo Ball still leading my rookie watch, QP Sports Exchange prediction for Rookie of the Year in the NBA. He's averaging 12 points in 25 minutes. He's still shooting about 40%, okay, from the field. He's shooting 68% from the free throw line. Um, He's averaging 6.9 rebounds a game. 1.8 of those are offensive rebounds. 
He is averaging six assists, one and a half steals a game, and his assist to turnover ratio is still a plus 2.900. So Lamelo is still doing it. At some point, he's going to have to start. It might not happen right now. It might not happen within the next five games. But I would predict that at some point, maybe by, let's say, game 25, game 30, the LaMelo ball watch for starting should commence. I think they'll try to hold him off as long as they possibly can. They're a better team with him on the court. It You can see it. It's not even something that we're just trying to make up and manifest into something. You can just clearly see when he's on the court. And he has a real good connection with uh, Bridges. Those two are have been dynamic together. So the chemistry is there. It's just now, okay, we're trying to keep you humble. We're trying to keep you at bay for a second. You know, let you continue to learn NBA life, which he's probably not really learning this year, which is probably good because you can just focus on basketball because of the pandemic. You can't just go out and do whatever you want to do. So that's worked out for him. LaMelo is number one in the rookie watch. Number two is Tyrese Halliburton of the Sacramento Kings. Tyrese is still getting it done. I mean, this kid is just all types of special. He just has a feel for the game that's different. He really thinks the game out, and he seems to see things two steps ahead, which is a special quality in a basketball player. The jury's out whether he's going to be like the guy who gets into, I guess, the top 30 players in the league is he going to be a 24 six rebound nine assists 10 assists guy couple steals a block is he going to be that guy or is he going to be the the ultimate glue guy where he's 18 solid every night you know five rebounds seven assists you know couple steals you know one and a half steals a game and he just makes your offense better and then every once in a while, he'll go off for 30. Jury's still out on what he's going to be. But he's such a good piece to have on your team because the offensive flow is so great when he's on the court. And if you haven't caught a Sacramento Kings game, my suggestion is that you do that immediately. That's Vince's, like, choice of the week. QP scores exchange, choice of the week is... Get yourself in front of a Sacramento Kings game and enjoy yourself. You're welcome. Our third guy this week is a newcomer. Xavier Tillman is doing it real big. Okay. Kid out of um Michigan State. They give to the league on a good level. Bigs. Bigs maybe that won't become superstar status, but bigs that last 8-12 years in the league. Tillman is averaging 8.1 points a game. He's only averaging 19.6 minutes a game. He's averaging 55.1 
for his field goal, so he's shooting at a high percentage from the field. He hasn't had a lot of attempts from the free throw line, but he's perfect so far. 0.6 blocks, 3.5 total rebounds, 1 offensive rebound, 1.7 assists, and 1.3 steals, and his uh, his assist to turnover ratio is a plus 6. 6.0. That is excellent. That means you never have to worry about him catching balls. You know, or dribbling off his legs. He seems to have good mitts on him. Our fourth guy, he's always here. James Wiseman, Golden State, doing it real big. 11.3 points a game on 21 minutes. He's still shooting under 50% from the field. I don't like that as a big, you know, but I think that will come with strength. His free throw percentage is still not great. 58.7. He's still averaging a block and a half a game, though. 1.6. 6.2 total rebounds. 1.3 of those are offensive rebounds. He is averaging one and a half assists a game. And he is averaging 0.4 steals a game. Now, his assist to turnover ratio is negative 0.3. So, it's not crazy bad. It's not like he's giving you... Eight turnovers to two assists or anything like that. It's just kind of even. Little Every once in a while, he'll have that hiccup where he'll have five turnovers and then like three assists. But the one thing that I saw with James Wiseman is this. He likes to get his Chris Webber on a lot where he wants to take the ball coast to coast. I think what they want to do with that is I know they don't want to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, they want to keep him kind of like a wild horse for a little while. You know, let him work this stuff out. You know, but hopefully he starts to see that it might be okay to give the ball to Draymond. Let him do it. And you just feel the wink. You know? I think my man gets so excited that he got a rebound. That he's like, yo, I'm taking off. I'm going. There's a little bit of that in his game. He has a little rambunctious personality in his game. But... You want that, right? You want your big to be active. You want your big to, and especially as somebody who has his skill set, you want him to allow the game to kind of naturally, organically grow, see what he can and cannot do. Unfortunately for Golden State, you know, the timeline is a little different because you got Steph looking at trying to get rings. You know, I don't think they have a shot this year, but... You know, you got that championship mentality on this side. And then you got the kid on this side who's like, yo, I just want to get my points, get my rebounds. But like we said in previous pods, so go check out the archives. He is coachable. All you hear from people in the league and Penny Hardaway is that he's so coachable. He's so flexible when it comes to coaching. On the court coaching, off the court coaching, he seems to be a sponge. He's a pretty humble kid. You could ask him to rein it in, and he would. The only problem with that is that you want to see what the best of James Wiseman will be. And I think the only way to do that is allow him to play out the mistakes 
it allow him to go, okay, I can't do that in the game because it costs my team possessions, you know. And we're so vicious on the offensive end because we got Steph Curry lighting it up, giving people the blues. You know, I can see him working it out in his head and augmenting his game appropriately. Our last guy on this list is none other than the machine, Patrick Williams, the Florida State guy, the Chicago Bull. He's averaging 10.2 points a game on 26, almost 27 minutes. He's shooting 48.5% from the floor total. He's shooting 87% from the free throw line. Kudos to you, young man, hitting your free throws. Love that. He's almost averaging a block a game. He is also has 3.8 rebounds a game. 0.8 of those are offensive. He's averaging 1.1 assists and almost a steal a game. And his assist to turnover ratio is negative 0.6. So he's doing very well in Chicago. Here's my one thing. Here's my question to the audience, to the Chicago Bulls fans. Would it be better to have him play the four? And make a decision between Laurie Marketing and Wendell Carter Jr.? And I'm going to go ahead and throw my vote out right now. My vote is to trade Lori Marketing and keep Wendell Carter Jr. and move Patrick Williams to the four. I think it will help his playmaking. It'll help his slashing ability. Um, as long as the three that you get, or if you have it on your roster, can still spread the floor with three-point shooting. That's the only way the trade makes sense. But I I love his ability. I love his defensive tenacity. I love his off-ball pressure that he comes and helps. I love his recovery to his guy. I've seen a lot from him. And the other thing is that I think his offensive game is a little more mature than what Chicago is allowing him to do. And I think that if you freed him up, he could be special at the four. That's the rookie watch for the week. This rookie watch is brought to you by YouTube TV. And let me tell you why. First of all, I'm a client. I get down with YouTube TV. QP Sports Exchange gets down with YouTube TV. That's all the recommendation you need to know right there. How do we get this pod to you? We got YouTube TV. They give you all the basketball. You want the league pass? They got that. You love the NFL because we got football Fridays? They got that. You want movies? They got that. HBO, Max. You know what I'm saying? You like DYI, do-it-yourself type stuff? They got that as well. Now, cut the cord. Get off that cable situation. Use them for Wi-Fi and get yourself some YouTube TV. That's your boy Vince. Telling you about YouTube TV. Prices are phenomenal. I mean, I don't have any issues with YouTube TV whatsoever. You go and grab yourself some YouTube TV. That leads us to 
a little bit of what I want to talk about now. I have a guy that I want us to keep our eye on. He didn't make the rookie watch because his numbers aren't there yet. But they will be. Did anybody catch Tyrese Maxey's game from Philly the other night? Tyrese Maxey is a rookie guard from Kentucky. Now, my man was drafted by the Philadelphia 76ers. And for a while, I don't know if Philly knew what they had. And I get it. You got Seth. And you got you got some other dudes, right? Proven. But they unleashed Tyrese Maxey because they had a COVID issue. So, this was his game, all right? He scored 39 points on 55% shooting from the field, okay? He had seven rebounds, and he had six assists and two steals. So, Maxey became the 11th player in the history of the NBA to have a 35-point game, five-rebound, five-assist game before turning 21 years of age. Yo, the list is a who's who of basketball. LeBron is in there. Luka Doncic is in there. All right. They got some old school cats in there. So my man had himself a game. So you go, oh, well, what he what is he doing for the year? I'm glad you asked that question. So obviously the 39-point game helped him a little bit, right? But he's averaging 11.4 points a game, 22 minutes. His shooting was respectable, 47.7% from the field, which is okay. Here's the bugaboo. Three-point shooting, 27.8%. That's going to have to get fixed. Especially if you're building around Simmons and Embiid. If he's on the floor with them, he needs to be able to knock down confidently three-point shots. Okay, that's why Seth is on that floor with them. That's why Danny Green is on that floor with them because they are the threat of shooting threes. Just saying, Bradley Bill is still out there. So he's also uh, averaging 2.5 rebounds a game and 2.4 assists. So he's right where he kind of needs to be. But kudos to him to go out and have a 39 point game and really fill up the stat sheet the way he did I mean that's incredible kudos to Tyrese Maxey yet again Calipari is putting people in the league and we are so grateful for that So we're going to get into a couple news and notes. I told you this week is going to be very college basketball heavy. So we're going to start out here in the La La, right? With USC center Evan Mobley. I don't know how many of you have caught a couple USC games and saw this kid, but I'm going to tell you right now, now, I talked to somebody, but I'm going to tell you right now, this kid looks a lot like Chris Bosh. Evan Mobley looks a lot like Chris Bosh. Here's the deal with him. 
He's a seven footer. Um, he's light right now, but you can see he has a frame. Okay. Um, but he's, he's not a pushover in the lane. He seems pretty stout for somebody who still has some room to grow. I can definitely see him at a wild 245, easy 250, and be able to carry that weight around very effectively and be able to do what he does. Okay, so let me give you a couple of stats and then I'll give you what one scout told me. Evan right now is shooting 59.4% from the floor. That's excellent. I would like to see that go up a little bit. I'd like to see it go up to about 63 to 66. He's shooting 67.9% from free throw line. That's that's all right. I'd like to see the concentration go up because I think he has the ability. He's shooting 35.3% from three. And this is what I was talking about with the Chris Bosch thing. He's grabbing 8.3 boards, and he has 3.1 blocks a game. Now, he has a 7.5 wingspan. Here's my thing with him. Like I said, it does look Chris Bosch-esque. You know what I'm saying? That's what it looks like to me. I think he's the best talent coming out next year. Okay, I know a lot of people are going to get on me. Oh, what about Kay Cunningham? Kay Cunningham is the best player coming out. Okay, don't. There's two distinctions. I think the athletic ceiling for Evan Mobley is a lot higher than Kay Cunningham. I think Kay Cunningham will have a great career in the league. I think he'll do special things. He's a six-eight point guard out of Oklahoma State. And if you not caught this guy, this guy's act, yo, go check out uh, OK State game. This dude is super nasty. I know my who heads are out there, but for the casual listener who's trying to catch up with the programming and understand that we get deep sometimes. Sometimes we go real deep. Sometimes we go underground, super deep. You know, those Eminem tracks that haven't got out yet. You know what I'm saying? Those diss tracks that just have not seen the light of day. That's sometimes that's how deep we get. So, I understand the the argument that Cade is obviously the number one choice coming out. Because as far as a player is concerned, he's more complete. But my one thing with Evan Mobley is this. Yo, if the skill catch up with the athleticism and he a hardworking kid, it's going to be so ugly. The only argument to draft Cade Cunningham... Over Evan Mobley is this. Is that wings and guards dominate the basketball. They're going to have the ball in their hands more. I think that Evan Mobley will be able to dictate more things on a basketball court over a career. So here's the thing. QP Nation. Hoopheads out there. B-Ball Monday. That's the hot take right now. I'm saying that Evan Mobley... If I had to start, if I had the number one pick, I would probably pick Evan Mobley. Now, here's the deal. Like I said, consensus is Kay Cunningham is the number one overall choice right now. It is not even close. People are saying that guy is the number one choice. I'm giving you a different take. QPP Network, Twitter, Question Point Pod Network, IG, and Facebook. 
Hit me up there. These are the type of things I want to bring to you all the time. But like I said, this is what I think. Now I'm going to give you what the scout gave me. Okay? So I'm going to read this. He still dominates the game even when he doesn't get the ball. A young player is staying engaged on the defensive side of the ball when the teammates forget about him on the court on the offensive end. So what you're seeing here with Evan Mobley is you're seeing a high-character kid because there are stages in this um, when I saw USC play where he would go four or five minutes. He'll be on the court, wouldn't even touch the basketball. And I thought it was an absolute crime because he's clearly their best player. And I understand that guards dominate the ball. But when your best player is him, let the offense flow through him. He definitely reads the passing lanes. You know, I'm not saying he's going to be Jokic, <laughs> average like a triple-double. But he could be a 4-5 or five assist guy. Easy. If he's allowed to touch the basketball. I see that... He averages 18.3 points a game, and that could definitely be 24-25 if they gave him the ball. And I think the offense would be a lot more efficient if Edenfield ran the offense through Evan Mobley. The scout gave us a real good indication of what this kid's character is and that he won't mope on the defensive side if he doesn't get the ball. So that's good news for the NBA, especially when you want to have that kid come in and you want to spoon feed him, you know, in doses or whatever. You say, hey, listen, just focus on this part right now. We're going to get you a couple plays and, you know, go from there. Or you can bring that kid in and be put him in like Zion, right? And go, okay, listen, we just want you to get offensive rebounds and putbacks and then just play nasty D. On the defensive side of the ball. And then we can incorporate your three game as it matures and come along. Right? Because what is another extra foot and a half in the NBA? That's my take on Evan Mobley out of USC. I believe he is the number one prospect in this draft class. Sound off where you can. Twitter, QPP Network, IG and Facebook. Question Point Pod Network. Y'all can get at me. I'm telling you, this kid is real, real good. Alright, so here's some other news and notes that I want to pass along. Man, Auburn Sharif Cooper, they freed him. The NCAA freed Sharif Cooper. Sharif is a uh, six-foot point guard, freshman point guard, playing for Auburn. And... I've been waiting to see this kid all year, and he did not disappoint. So he's played three games so far. So if you have not caught a game on the SEC network, that's why I say get YouTube TV, man. If you haven't caught a game with him, please do, because he is box office. All right, so far he's averaging 21 points a game. He's averaging 10 assists and four rebounds. And that is in three games. So my man came in and said, yo, I'm about to I'm about to shut it down. And that's what he's doing. Shuri Cooper was a McDonald's All-American. Cooper was ranked 20th in ESPN's top 100 last year. And really, QP Sports Exchange as a whole. 
is co-signing that you need to check this kid out. He's so quick with the basketball. He has that gear that makes people look really slow or really not good on defense, and it's just a blow-by, and it's sick. Okay? So here's what I see. Here's my scouting eye. I haven't gotten a scout's uh, real opinion on him so far. He's real creative for himself off the bounce. I mean, he's so creative. Watch him. Watch him work. It is beautiful to watch him go one-on-one. He's a tremendous free throw generator. Mind you, I said free throw generator. So he can get free throws for himself. He's a good rebounder for his size because he's really not that big. He's six feet. They list him as six one. He's not. He's six feet. They list him at 180. I don't know if he's 180, but he's pretty physical for somebody his size. Now, these are his struggles that I've seen so far. He struggles creating offense for others without getting inside the paint. So, if he can drive to the hole and then have the defense collapse on him, he can kick it out. But if he's at the top of the key and somebody's cutting He's like a beat too late or beat too fast. It's, you know, but he's only played three games in college. So, obviously, give him time to adjust, right? So, that's what I see so far. So, I'll obviously, as the year goes on, we'll see if that continues. And he can be too focused on getting shots for himself. There's a great thing with this. He can shoot you in and he can shoot you out of games. Um, so far... The jury is the jury is good. You know he shoots you in games. Uh, we'll see if that shot selection will come back and bite him in the near future. But the name to look out for is Sharif Cooper out of Auburn, the point guard. Love this kid's game. I love his just tenacity, and you should check that kid out. Alright, a couple more news and notes for you before we get out of here today. First thing that caught my eye is the Cavaliers plan to release guard Kevin Porter Jr. If they can't find a trade for him, which it doesn't seem likely to get one. There was an incident that occurred over the weekend the Cavaliers in the Cavaliers locker room with people who are eyewitnesses to it. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. was... Uh, seen yelling and throwing food before getting combative with GM Kobe Altman. So my man was upset. And before, before he got combative, he was yelling and throwing food. Well, to me, he was combative then as well. So, I mean, kind of childish, but... It's really unfortunate, too. You know, it's really unfortunate that it got to that level. And you just wonder, was there, was that his immaturity? Was that the team not communicating what they thought his role would be? 
there's so many variations of what this could be or could not be. Kevin Porter Jr. hasn't appeared in a game this season. That could be part of this man's, this young man's uh, frustration. I believe that Kevin Porter Jr. is talented. I just think that he needs a no-nonsense um, vet to mentor him. You know, he seems like a real terrific talent, but sometimes his his mental just goes awry. And I think sometimes when you... It's, we always talk about fit, right? We talk about the prospect and fit. And somebody like that who has all the talent in the world, he has a combustible unit to him. But the thing about it is, is that maybe that combustible unit is what got him to where he is today. And maybe he just needs a vet to kind of, you know, a vet that he can respect. You know, somebody who real, real talk, still playing, still, you know, giving numbers. But, you know, can teach him along the way, like, hey, this is what you do when you're not, you know, excited about, like, the amount of playing time you got. You know, this is when and where you can go over to the assistant coaches, you know, and, you know, kind of um, lobby for more, you know, for more minutes. He just seems like he just needs a vet. He needs a good palate cleansing so to speak I just wonder if he was with like a CP3 or King James or Luka Doncic would he have a different mentality you know if you want to go you know a little bit lower level with guys in the league that you know definitely exude leadership and you know provide veteran leadership you know Rondo is like a nose to nonsense you know drill sergeant when it comes to offense and where you're supposed to be and what time you're supposed to be, he would be good for Kevin Porter Jr. Jay Crowder is a good vet. You know, he's one of those guys that has paid his dues in the league. You know, he's a lesser player, but he still get a lot of love around the NBA. A lot of teams could use a Jay Crowder. Let's just put it that way. And he'd be welcome with open arms on a many a team. You know what I'm saying? So that's a good vet for Kevin Porter Jr. to hitch his wagon to. And then pretty much the entire Heat culture. If he went to Miami, you know Jimmy Butler ain't having it. Okay? Jimmy Butler would not have it at all in Miami. Pat Riley, Spolstra, Drogic, all them cats. They would not have that there. What we look for, Kevin Porter Jr., is this. We hope that, you know, he can take a look in the mirror, kind of figure some stuff out. If it was lack of communication about his role that caused this rift, then maybe Cleveland needs to look inside their organization and see who is that point man to go to the player and say, hey, listen, this is how we're going to use you or this is what you need to do to get on the court. For the Lakers, they got like three of them. They got Phil Handy, Jason Kidd. Those guys right there are like the guys that go, hey, listen, let's work on your game so you can get more minutes. Or, hey, this is your role right now, and this is the reason why. And this is why it's critical for you to play this role in our success. They communicate very well. In Los Angeles, in the la-la. And sometimes a kid just needs that. You know, 
He wants to feel love. You know, maybe that's it. I don't know. But I hope him nothing but success in the future. Because I really do believe that you could find a role for him where he could be like a real electric six-man. He could be. He's so dynamic athletic, athletically that if he wanted to play defense, he would be just... He just, who and he's strong enough to play, like, different positions. So, um, I can see him guarding some threes, twos, ones. Um, so, there's a, there's talent there. There's a lot of talent there. And I would just hate for it to walk out of the league. And we're, five years from now, we're going, hey, remember Kevin Porter Jr.? What happened to that cat? <laughs> it's reported that the T-Wolves are interested in Houston Rockets glue guy. P.J. Tucker. Like, no duh. For real? You know, we just talked about Jay Crowder and being a glue guy and being a, you know, a solid vet and being a guy who, you know, pays attention to detail and scouting report and just such an effective leader and a guy who can help your young guys, you know, talk to them, bring them along. And the T-Wolves are interested well, first of all, the whole league is interested. When I saw this report, it just tickled me that the T-Wolves themselves, it was nobody else had caught on to the P.J. Tucker train. You know, nobody, oh, he's he's the best kept secret in basketball, that type of thing. And it just, it just struck me as funny and odd. Because I'm going to tell you, I know literally seven playoff teams that would love to have P.J. Tucker. Two reside here in the La La. Okay. Let's just get that straight. There's a there's a team in um Milwaukee who would want to get the uh the talents of PJ one PJ Tucker. As front court heavy as Philadelphia is, they would love to have PJ Tucker. You stretch the floor. You know what I'm saying? You don't think Brooklyn could use PJ Tucker? With their depth issues, Brooklyn, we're going to talk about you in a second. So, what I want to see trending on Twitter and IG as a hashtag is you down with PJT hashtag. So, let me spell that out for you. I love 90s hip hop. There was a group called Naughty by Nature. They had a song called... OPP, it was a good little ditty, and I'm calling it that, okay? They had other stuff that was more real and rugged, but they did have a song called OPP. We will not get into what that meant on this program, okay? But when I saw this little blurb about the T-Wolves wanting P.J. Tucker, that's the first thing that came to mind. It's like I could just hear the piano now. The start of Naughty by Nature. And it's like, da-doom. You down with PJT? Yeah, you know me. Who down with PJT? Every last team. You know what I'm saying? Like, who is not down with PJT? So I want that to trend on Twitter. So if you listen to the podcast, you know what I'm saying? You know, I give a lot of love to the countries. I want to start giving love to listeners. So the first one. To tweet me at QPP Network 
on Twitter and say, Hey, QP Sports Exchange, are you down with PJT? You getting a shout out on the next pod, okay? Next B-Ball Monday, the first person that hits me up on Twitter and says, Are you down with PJT? Hashtag is getting a shout out on Twitter. That's how we're doing it. I want to be more interactive. I can't ask any more than this. This is how I'm going to do it. You can hear yourself on this pod. You know, we'll give you 30 seconds of burn, a minute of burn on this podcast. And we'll talk about how excellent your tweet was because you're getting down with the show. And if you're getting down with the show, you're going to get love. And that's how it just goes down like that. Ask my boy, Graylin McLean. Ask my guy, Addison Archer, do they get love on this podcast? And they'll tell you that they do. Ask Tony, Coach Tony Milton if he gets love on his podcast. The first person who hits me up with hashtag you down with PJT is going to get a shout out. <laughs> All right. Two more notes and then we're out of here. UCLA finally has made it into AP's top 25. Kudos to you, Associated Press. Kudos to you on figuring out that UCLA was one of the top 25 best teams in the country. They are undefeated in Pac-12 play. They probably lost their best player in uh, Chris Smith. The guard forward, senior, who was going to the NBA and then pulled his name out and decided to come back for his senior year to see if he could up his draft status. And then he tore his ACL, and we wish him speedy recovery. But the team itself has carried on without him in a real, real positive way. Mick Cronin, I'm going to tell you right now, when he first got to Westwood, when the choices start coming out, and it was this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, and when UCLA hired McCronin, my first person, this is my personal thought. I was like, who? Why? I knew who he was. Knew where he coached. University of Cincinnati, good program. He really built that program up. He kept that toughness that uh, uh, Bob Huggins had there. I didn't know if he would fit at UCLA, but I'm gonna tell you. From like the first press conference. He has absolutely impressed me. I've been a Mick Cronin guy ever since. When they struggled early in the year. I stuck with him. I love that he was benching people left and right. Because they weren't doing what they were supposed to do. He was like, listen. Your friend will be this bench." If you don't do what I need you to do, which is value the basketball and play good defense. And I love his press conferences because they're so real. He's so real in his press conferences. It's ridiculous. He'll tell you who's like, well, we don't have a five-star McDonald's All-American on our squad. You know, we have to work together to get shots, get quality shots. I love how he praises the guys when they play well. I love how he takes blame for not getting guys in position. There's a lot to like about McCronin. And here's the thing. I don't want to top him up too much because 
I want him to be at UCLA for a long period of time. I want him to be our Krzyzewski. Am I asking too much, UCLA Bruins fans? Get at me on Twitter, QPP Network, on Instagram and Facebook, but on Instagram and Facebook, Question Point Pod Network. Tell me what you think of Mick Cronin and the job he's doing at UCLA. I think he's doing a great job. I think he's really real with these kids. I think he melds teams together, galvanizes them. I think that he has taken some of the clown show out of UCLA, honestly. No offense to offer and no offense to Ben Holland. I see a program when I look at UCLA now. I see a leader. I see a vision. I see a style of play. And I see the type of kid that he wants to get. And it doesn't look like he forces anything into his program. Like, he's not going like, you know what? This guy doesn't play good defense, but he averages like 35 points a game. So we're going to grab him because he's a five-star. He No. No, he doesn't. He doesn't do that at all. He gets people to fit his system, like it or not, when they are all playing on the same string. It's beautiful to watch. And teams are so in trouble in the Pac-12. Our last news of the day, we're going to leave on a real high note. This podcast has been, uh, I wouldn't say hard on Kyrie. We've been, we poked fun at Kyrie. I'll say that. But... I want to give the man some respect, and I want to give him some, uh, wow, some, this is actually almost, yo, your boy is a little emotional with this one. So Kyrie Irving obviously is taking a little sabbatical from the Brooklyn Nets. Obviously, things in this country are not to his liking, and he is promoting social change on such a high level. And I want to just spotlight him right now. So Kyrie Irving has decided he bought George Floyd's family a home. I recently listened to a podcast called The Rematch. And a former NBA player and one of the most realest guys ever. Don't ever step to Steven Jackson. Not Stephen A. Smith. Steven Jackson. Now, I'm going to tell you right now. One of my favorite pods that I like to listen to is called The Real Ones. Stephen Jackson is a real one. Okay. That cat is super real. And he was uh, friends with the Floyd, George Floyd, um, even before. Um, he had dealings with him in Minnesota before the tragic uh, situation that happened in uh, Minnesota. And Kyrie bought the Floyd family a house. Now, there's been a lot of guys doing a lot of great things, but I wanted to spotlight this because we poked fun at Kyrie last week about just basically communicating with the team, you know, communicating with your boss and letting them know, hey, I'm going to take some time off. There's there's some things that are bigger than basketball going on. And, you know, that would have been all right. But the one thing about it is the man Kyrie, However you want to put him as a basketball player, the one thing that he is doing is that he's winning at the game of life. You know, we talk about on this program all the time, you know, if you can help out your fellow man because of the fact that 
at this present time, there's a lot going on and there's a lot of people out there struggling and there's people out there who are asking for help. Um, you know, this is uh, something that we should spotlight. So Kyrie Irving, Uncle Drew, one of the dudes with one of the sickle, sickest handles, one of the dudes with the sickest handles in the league. Uh, kudos to you, my friend, to put your your dollars, you know, and your heart out there and do some good in the community and take care of um, Mr. Floyd's family. So uh, on that note, we going to bounce. We out. But I definitely wanted to give Kyrie some love. Because that's a that's such a generous act. And he wasn't looking for accolades or anything like that. But we spotlight good when we see it. You know, basketball is great. I love to clown around and say, oh, yep, this dude wasn't so good yesterday. And this dude wasn't so good the other day. But at the end of the game, let's, let's talk about off the court. And then what kind of man you are. And Kyrie is showing himself to be very socially conscious, which we knew he was. Jalen Rose gave us a a little insight into that. Shout out to Jalen Rose. Shout out to Jalen and Jacoby on ESPN. Love them. But we wanted to make sure that that got spotlighted. So we're going to end the podcast the way we always do, right? QPP Network, Twitter, Cute question point pod network on Instagram and Facebook. You guys be good to each other. Be good to yourself. And if you have it within your means, help out a neighbor. If you're dealing with mental illness, make sure you reach out and get help. If you have somebody that you love dealing with mental illness, talk to them. Plead with them to get help. You know, there's a lot going on. And we're in it together. So, again, I hope this podcast brings you some joy. I hope it was entertaining. I hope it was informative. And we're going to get up out of here. And we will see you for Football Friday. And we are out.